What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Who's ready to hear what God has to say from his word today? God has something for you. You need to know that. And um, this is one of those days where the, the anticipation of what, um, of what God wants to do, it almost, it almost felt like Christmas coming in this morning. Like God had a, God had a present for you. He's got a gift for you. And, um, and he has one for me as well. And, and so we want to we wanna find out what that is. We want to dig into it today. And, um, and, and I want to I kind of start off, um, well, I guess I'll give you the reference first. And I'll tell you where we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go really, really early in the Bible. We're going to go to the book of Numbers, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of time to, to get there. Numbers chapter 13. And um, I was doing a little bit of personal reflecting going into this particular message because I remember when we started 2020, very specifically the things that God was speaking to Kara and to myself as we prayed. And as we're like, God, what's this year? You know, because you went into 2020, you know, perfect vision, right? Yeah. And, um, and there, was, there was so much anticipation. Now, let me also preface it. There should be. Just because there's uncertainty in our world doesn't mean that there's uncertainty in God's kingdom. God, God did not wake up any days this year and go, oh, no. <laughs> we did. But God did not. And so it was, it was, uh, we did a series at the very beginning of the year called The New Normal. Had no idea. Again, it's the humor of God. We didn't have any idea, but God did. Like, he knew. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew what the new normal was going to be. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. Um, but I know that there are things that God is asking us to get our minds wrapped around that is that needs to be transformative from how we are used to doing things. And honestly, I believe the new normal isn't about what we do um, physically. I believe the new normal is how we look at what God's doing. I really do. I feel like in everything that, that is happening around us, whether it continues or whether things change or whether the clock strikes midnight and all of a sudden, boom, everything magically, whatever, all the problems disappear, that's not going to happen. But the new normal is how we see God in these moments. I really do believe that because before, uh, I'll speak for myself, I'd gotten comfortable in how things were going and comfortable and how, even to a degree, how the world was going. Things are going in a great direction. But when things get shaken, that's when you find out what you were actually built on. Not how you're built. We know how we're built, but we, not, we find out what we're built on. And even sp- more specifically than the new normal, the thing that God was speaking to my wife God was telling her in January, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Now, before things get shaken, that sounds like, yeah, woo, shake it up. It's going to be fantastic, you know, excited about the shakening. And then things begin to shake, and you're like, all right, that's good, that's good. You know, things are like, nope, no, it's a little bit much. And then God continues to shake. But when God shakes things, he's not trying to break people. He's trying to get us out of our comfort. 
He's trying to wake us up when we've fallen asleep. He's trying to get his hands in areas of our life that we have said, no, I, I don't think I want you to touch that part of my life. And he begins to shake, and it begins to shake to the point where we have nothing left but then to rely on, on the goodness and the grace of God. And then when we get to that point, that's when God begins to open up, not just our eyes, begins to open up our spirit. It begins to open up the way that we see the world around us. It challenges the way that we see other people. It forces us to deal with the own brokenness inside of us instead of projecting that brokenness onto other people. And so as God begins to shake things, and as he has shaken things, and, and, uh, and, and to prophesy with my eyes wide open as he continues to shake things, um, we need to remember and, and remind ourselves where we are built upon. And maybe even just double check where we're built upon. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, it's actually the words of Jesus. He says that when the winds come and the floodwaters come, you will know where your foundation is. Because when everything gets washed away and you're, what's, what is happening in your life, what you have felt so good about crumbles and there's nothing left, then you weren't built on a, on a solid foundation. But when your life is built on the solid foundation and that is Christ, all the other stuff can fall apart. Everything else can crumble, but you will, you will stand. You will make it. And some of you are like, I don't think I'm standing. You might be surprised. If there's heart, I'm sorry, if there's blood pumping through your heart, if there's oxygen still in your lungs, if you're, if you're here, if you're in the room, if you're present, if you're, if you're alive Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday, spiritually speaking, then, then you probably are doing better than you think you are. And I think we need, to, we need to embrace God's grace for ourselves. Sometimes we say, you gotta have grace for yourself. But I don't know, I feel like when we give ourselves grace, we only end up justifying what God's trying to get his hands on. But when we allow God's grace for ourselves, then that leads to transformation. And that's what God wants. He wants his church to continually be transformed into his image. And, uh, and the farther that individuals get away from that, the more God's like, okay, I'll shake it up some more. Because where we live in the world that is around us right now, the needs of the world around us right now needs a church that reflects Christ. More than ever, the world needs to see a church that reflects Christ. And so I began to kind of reflect back, and, and I, pulled, I cracked open my computer and, and um, began to look at some of my old files and, and uh, realized I couldn't find some of my old files and, um, and realized the other day I had done a, an update on my computer, and, uh, and, and I don't know what happened, but it ate all of the history uh, of a few past few years. And, and so that completely mentally derailed me in the moment. I'm sure you can't um, identify with that, where you completely lose focus and track of everything you're trying to do. And, uh, and you begin to go into panic mode, which I'm like, you know, it's, it's ironic because I, I thought about, you know, titling this message, um, um, you know, deleted files or, or something like, because we want to, how much of 2020 do we want to control all delete and, uh, and be like, oh, oh, I don't even remember that. I guess it's uh, time to move forward. But it was almost as if God was saying, you don't need to look back to find out where I'm taking you. You don't, you don't need to rehearse what's been done so that you can know where I'm going to take you. And, uh, and, so, and so God took me to the book of Numbers, which, you know, you know it's got to be God when you go that far back. So I went to the book of Numbers. And, um, and just, he, he just spoke to me. He said, I want you to remember when I was sending my people, talking about the nation of Israel, historically as we're speaking right here, as I was sending them out of 400 years of slavery and captivity in Egypt, taking them through the wilderness and, and trying to lead them into the promised land that I had already designated for them. 
And, um, and there was a strategy at one point when they were coming out of Egypt, they had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And I'd encourage you to like, go back and read the book of Exodus and some of the early chapters of the book of Numbers and begin to see just the over-top, ridiculous ways that God showed himself to his people. I mean, just over the top. Like, we would, we would confidently say that if we had seen that many tangible, obvious, smack-you-upside-your-head miracles, then we would have faith for days. We would never doubt God, you know, all, all these things. And they probably would have said the same thing, but they still found themselves getting to another obstacle and choosing fear instead of faith and choosing doubt instead of trusting the God that just provided food out of nowhere, water out of a rock, quail in the middle of a desert, walking through the Red Sea on dry land, all these miracles. Yet another obstacle, and boom, they're, they're derailed almost as if nothing happened. The greatness of God wasn't demonstrated, you know, for them just earlier. And so they eventually, they get to the point where it's, they're, they're on the edge of getting ready to go into this promised land. And uh, in verse, uh, chapter 13, I'll start reading a couple of verses here, and I'm going to try to get through this. We'll just see what God does today. I think he's got something he wants to tell you. It says, the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes or ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, uh, for from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. And these were the tribes and the names of the leaders. There's some good names too. Sometimes you gotta just appreciate some of the naming skills of the Old Testament. Shamua, roll call. Okay, anyway. Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Hosea, which we would know as Joshua, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, and Guel. You may pronounce that differently, but I'm going with Guel, <laughs> son of Maki. Anyway, sorry. But these are the guys. These are the guys that God said, all right, we're going to send these guys. We want them to go ahead, and they, we want them to spy out the land that I'm about to give you. So check this out. It says, these are the men. Okay, yeah, so verse 17. It says, Moses gave these these men instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He says, go north uh, through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. It's very important to, uh, to, to understand the instructions that were being given to these guys that were to go ahead of them and see what was coming. He says, see what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do the towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back, bring back samples of the crops that you see and just happen to be harvest season for grapes at this particular time. And it says for, um, so, so they, had, they had instructions, right? They, they were on a mission. They were given instructions. This, we've been doing a series called On Mission. And the thing is, it's not about your mission. It's not about your passion. It's about realizing God already has a mission and he's trying to get you to become a part of it. Sometimes we actually have to lay down and sacrifice what we think our personal mission is in order to make sure that we are on mission with what God is doing. Because I don't know how many times, you don't have to look back very far in history to realize that in the church world, we tend to get distracted when it comes to mission. And it's not that we don't live on mission. It's actually impossible not to live on mission. It just depends on what you are living for. And so they had their instructions 
And it says they went out, they went all over that area, they spied it out, they saw the cities, they brought back some crops with them. And in verse 25, it says, after exploring the land for 40 days, somebody say 40 days, the men returned. You'll, you'll notice the word 40, especially in the Old Testament, but you see in the New Testament, well, is a very significant number. Uh, it's, there, it's well, well, we'll get to that. I want to get ahead of myself. So they were in the land for 40 days and the men returned. Uh, they returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit taken from the land. And this was their report. So, so far, so good, right? You know, they went out, they did their thing, they're back, they're about to give, a, give their report. It says, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here is the kind of fruit that it produced. And it was just giant grape clusters and other things they brought. It says, but, how many of you know when, when you're supposed to give a report of the Lord, but you begin to insert the word but, it's very possible that you may be getting off track. Yeah, it's God is just like you said it was going to be. It's, it's great, it's beautiful, there's provision, it's bountiful, everything that you said it would be. But, it says, but the people living there are very powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the ites live in the hill country. The Canaanites living among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Oh, I love Caleb. Verse 30, but Caleb. Sometimes when you have one but, you need another but in there to, to get things going in a different direction. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. The people, as painting a picture, wasn't just uh, the group of spies who went to get the report. But it's actually, you can, there, there's beginning to be rumbles of the people who were around them. They can begin to tell that fear is the thing that's beginning to swell in the crowds instead of faith and anticipation. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He says, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. I love Caleb. I love Caleb. Caleb's my guy. He says, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we have traveled through and explored will devour anyone who tries to go there. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And, and, and next to them, check this out. There's some very specific words here. And next to them, we felt, we felt like grasshoppers. How many times does your feelings get in the way of what God's trying to do? God's trying to take you somewhere, but your feelings are holding you captive. Your feelings are allowing things to, to make, make other objects bigger than who God is. And not, not only this, did they feel like grasshoppers, grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. How do they know? Did they talk to them? Be like, we feel like grasshoppers next to you guys. How do you feel about us? <laughs> yeah, we see you as grasshoppers. Okay. Now, that, that didn't happen because when your feelings begin to get in the way of what God says, then the enemy begins to project on you what other people are thinking. This is probably what, yeah, they're, they're probably thinking the same way. They're probably putting you down. They're probably thinking that you can't do it. All the things that you are already allowing in your head that contradict what God said is possible in you and through you, the enemy wants to come right up behind you and be like, yeah, that's right. That's what they all think. 
Remember, you're never going to amount to anything. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to live. You're going to die. You're not going to make it. You're not going to, and we begin to, we begin to believe it. So when I go back and I read the initial instructions for Moses, I can't, I'm trying to find it. Maybe, it, maybe I skipped a verse. I'm trying to find that verse where he said, make sure and tell us if you think we can do this or not. Nope, it's not in there. It's not in there. You can check it out. Maybe it's in another translation. I don't know. Where it says, and make sure that you tell us whether you think we can take the land that God has given us or not. Now, Moses never said that. He said, go and scout it out and tell us what it's like. And what was he doing? He wanted to know the strategy that he would go and talk to the Lord and receive so that they could go in and not even, not even necessarily fight but take possession of what God said was already theirs. So I was thinking about this year. I was thinking about this past year. And, and, um, and, I, and I can't lie, like there have been plenty of moments um, where even, even as, a, as a pastor, can I be is a little transparency? Is this okay? You're like, I don't know what you're about to say, so I don't know. <laughs> no, as, as a pastor in this season, honestly, it's been, there's been some dark moments. There's been some dark moments this year where you're not sure of anything. You're not sure that we're going to make it. We're not sure, like, is there going to be a church? I don't know. Are there people? Clearly there are. God bless you. We love you so much. <laughs> but you have these thoughts, and you've had thoughts. I can guarantee that the vast majority of us in this room and maybe even watching online, like, you've You've had some thoughts this year that you weren't proud of. You've had some thoughts that maybe you were even embarrassed to talk to God about. <clears throat> That's been the nature of this year. But then as you pause and you reflect and you say, God, can you help me find what you've done this year? God's like, oh, yeah, I got you. Let me, let's, let's rehearse what I've done this year. And, man, God is good, y'all. I can't lie. I'm blessed. And neither can you. I don't know all the details of what you've been through this year, whether it's how, how, how severely the different, you know, the dozens of things that have come to destroy the world this year, everything from, you know, from virus to racial tensions to elections to everything in between, like have, that have literally been on assignment to destroy and to break apart and to, and to create more divisions and to create more segregation and, and to destroy families, destroy relationships, destroy anything that we thought was we could stand on. God says, no, if you, if, you, if you take time to talk to me, I've got a lot to tell you about what I've done this year and what's been accomplished this year. Now, with that in mind, we can begin to think about what is in the land ahead of us. What in, in, and if, if 2020 taught us anything, it means that we don't have a clue what's coming in 2021. But here's the cool thing. You don't have to. You don't have to know what's coming. You just have to know who you're following. You just have to know who's going before you. And that's what God was trying to get through to his people. That's what he wanted the Israelites to realize. Go check it out because I want you to see firsthand what I've already prepared for you. And then you can come back and tell everybody about it. But you have to be careful what you allow to go ahead of you. You have to be careful. See, you may not send 12 spies that are physical people into the next year and say, come back and tell me about it. But you have this thing called a soul. A soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And those are your spies. Those are your 12 spies. And you have to know what is in your soul that you are casting into your next year to come back and tell you what is ahead of you. And if you're not careful to understand who you're thinking through, who you're listening to, and who you're following, you'll allow the wrong report to come back to you. And you'll begin to believe the wrong report. You'll begin to believe what the enemy's saying. You'll begin to believe that the giants that are ahead of you in this year to come 
are so far greater than anything that you can handle. And I barely made it past this year, and the giants in the next year are even bigger. Man, I don't know if I can do it. But still, deep down inside of you, there's another. It's the Spirit of God. And that's represented through Caleb, also through Joshua. Caleb is the one that spoke up here, but it was Caleb and Joshua that stood up to the other ten spies and says, guys, you guys are idiots. How did, how did we see the exact same thing? We saw what you saw, and we're pumped up and fired up and ready to go. But somehow you come back saying the giants are too big, we're, too, we're not strong enough, there's not enough provision, we don't have what it takes, they're going to eat us alive. We were better off in slavery. We were better off in Egypt. How easy is it to get caught up in a moment where you realize just how bad it was? And when you begin to forget just how bad it was where God brought you from, it begins to look like paradise in comparison to where you find yourself right now. You're like, oh, slavery was better. You mean not, not having enough? Because Egypt represented not just the, the real slavery of Egypt, but it also represented lack. It represented never having enough. It represented never having enough just for yourself and even for your family. Even the representation when Pharaoh made the decree to Israel who was there, who was making bricks and building and, and all the things, a lot of people would even say a lot of things that you see in Egypt now are still the fruits of what the Israelites did in their slavery years in Egypt. But it said they, were in charge, they had to make bricks for the buildings, but then uh, Pharaoh said, no, we're, gonna, uh, we're not going to give them the straw. They're going to have to work even harder, gather their own straw to make the bricks. I mean, it's just this representation of lack and struggle, and it's never enough. But Israel went through the wilderness, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after provision and miracle, only to see the thing that God had promised to them and said, we don't have what it takes to do it. We're not going to make it. We're going to die. They're going to devour us. We'd be better off if we went back and lived in slavery again. We have to begin to identify what spirit we are going to allow inside of us that is going to lead us into this new year. And it's not about knowing what's ahead of us. It's about knowing who is leading us. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive inside of those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And so when you have that spirit that is alive and awake inside of you, you have nothing to fear. Because <laughs> if something that was dead can be resurrected by a spirit of power that is the spirit of God, then why should we fear what we face in the next year? Why should we fear the unknown? I want to have that Caleb spirit. I want to have that Joshua spirit that says, I don't care if the giants, what giants? Come at me, giants, let's go. God told me this is mine, so there's nothing you can do to keep me from having it. My family is going to be healthy and whole. Come on, enemy, come at me. There's nothing that you can do to take back what God has spoken that is going to happen in my life. My marriage is going to thrive. Enemy, you can do what you want, but I know what God promised me in my marriage, and that's what's going to happen in this year. I got kids. You want to come at my kids? You better bring it hard because I know what God has spoken over my children, and we're going to go at it hard for God on mission. My kids are going to thrive. They're going to succeed. doesn't matter what happens in the school district. doesn't matter what's being taught and what's not being taught. I'm going to raise up my kids to be the next generation. Listen, there was a generation that died in the wilderness because they refused to believe what God said was true. I refuse to be that generation. And I refuse to allow the next generation to go behind. My, the next generation is going to crawl up on top of our shoulders, and they're going to take things to another level. But listen, we have got to be 
dedicated to making sure that we lead that next generation in the right direction. Never in any, of, any scripture can I find anywhere there is there an example of godly leadership and godly examples where they allow the next generation to figure it out on their own. One of the greatest cancers in our culture today is the cancer of, uh, of adults not being taught how to raise up their kids. Free-range parenting, which is an actual term, by the way. It's not just for chickens anymore. <laughs> Free-range parenting where your job was simply to procreate and now, it's, now, now life will lead your children. That is a really bad idea. I'm on the record. It's a bad idea. Free-range parenting. Don't do it. No, because you've been placed in their life for a reason. Is there pressure for that? Heck yeah. Get your stuff straight. As an adult, get your stuff straight in your marriage because what you say is what they will hear and what they hear is what they will repeat. What they see is what they will believe. What they witness is what will be echoed. What is modeled is what will preach to them what is possible for their future. Moses was doing his best to lead and to guide and to tell Israel, no, 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 this, you're the children of God. Come on, the promised land. But you know what's unfortunate is that eventually even, even Moses came to the, a place where he allowed his, his doubt and his fear and even anger, which honestly, let's just be real. If we were in Moses' situation, we would have been wilding out on people. Moses was an incredibly gracious leader. We're not going to go there, but if you went ahead into chapter 14, after they have the report and Caleb was arguing and the other spies were like, no, we're all going to die. We're grasshoppers. That's how they see us. At least that's how we feel. That's, makes, that's how it makes me feel. <laughs> in verse 14, it says in the heading, I'm just going to say the heading, it says the people rebel. That's going to be a great chapter. You just know that's going to be good. But check this out. You get to, you get to verse 13, and it was so frustrating that even God was like, all right, it's time to break out the smiting stick. <laughs> Moses, I'm going to start over with you. Joshua, Caleb, you guys can come too. Everyone else, I'm going to smoke you. I'm tired of your rebellious hearts. I'm tired of you turning against me. I'm tired of you not listening. Miracle after miracle after miracle, it's never enough. Moses, we're starting over with you. Going to make you a great nation. It's going to be fantastic. And Moses should have been like, Phew, finally, good gosh, can we get rid of these people? No, but did he do that? No, it says the next heading, it says Moses, where is it? Moses intercedes for the people. Moses intercedes for the people. I don't know why I'm talking to parents right now or even future parents. If you're not married, don't have kids, don't worry about it. You will eventually. In some capacity, in some capacity, there are people that you will lead and children that you will be a part of impacting, whether they are biologically yours or not. Moses intercedes for the people, and he says, what will Egypt think if they hear about it? If you did all of that to free Israel only to destroy them in the desert. And I love that. He just began to intercede for him. And finally, God was like, okay, but here's the deal. I have to raise up another generation because this generation has decided that they're not going to believe what I've said. And he says, and eventually we learned that Moses didn't get to make it either. But there was another generation. And guess who led them? Joshua, Caleb. The two spies who said, no, we can take this. What's ahead of us? Giants, lions, bears, tigers, 
Thank you. We have no idea what's ahead of us, but it doesn't matter what's ahead of us because we know who's leading us. Listen, if you skip ahead into the book of Joshua chapter 2, there was a transition that took place, and, and Moses was a faithful servant of the Lord, and God rewarded him, but he, he didn't get to be the leader that took Israel into the promised land. But God gave Moses a little glimpse. He goes, I'll let you see it, but I'm not going to be able to let you enter it. But, but Joshua, who was the, the assistant to Moses, and that's not, you know, some were like, oh, yeah, he, he was like the, uh, what, like, was that a vice president? No, that's not how that works. Basically, he was, he was Moses' servant. But he was the one because he saw Moses interact with God. One of my favorite chapters in Exodus 33, it talks about Moses would go into the tent of meetings, a, a tent they sent up outside of camp where Moses would go, and face-to-face he would meet with God. And it says that, and Joshua, his aide, his assistant, his servant, went in with him. But when Moses would leave to go back to the people, it says that Joshua would stay behind. Joshua would stay behind in the presence of God. Why? Because he was being developed. He, he, he's, he knew something from those moments in the presence of God that other people didn't realize yet. And honestly, what Joshua didn't even realize yet, Joshua was being groomed in the presence of God to be a leader of God's people. That's why I love youth ministry so much. That's why I love Convo Youth. That's why I love Convo Kids so much. That's why we're always like, get your kids in there, serve in there, become a part of it. Because what you end up doing when you're working with kids and teenagers is you are helping to create a a, a tent of meetings experience for the next generation where they learn to encounter the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. And it raises them up to believe for what's ahead of them. Joshua wasn't courageous because of what was just in him by nature. He was courageous because of what he saw in the presence of God. So here's the thing. So there's a transition. Moses is gone. Joshua is now the leader. The people have rallied around Joshua. And so we get to chapter 2, and they're, they're on the edge of the promised land. Because here's, hap- here's what happened when the ten spies and then all the people rebelled. They were on the doorstep of the promised land, a journey from where they were in Egypt that would have taken maybe five to seven days, some people say even a little bit sooner, to travel by foot to get into the promised land. How long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. Why? Because when they chose to not believe the report of the Lord, God told Moses, I need you to turn them around and walk back into the wilderness. Why? Because they weren't ready. They weren't ready to respond to what God had for them. Forty days, 12 spies, 40 days, doubt and fear turn into 40 years wandering in the desert. And so they finally, the transition has happened. Joshua's taking leadership, and they get to the edge, and guess what Joshua does? He sends in some spies. But Joshua learned something. He's like, I ain't sending 12. I'm going to find two people that I know have our heart. I'm going to find two people because it only took two of us to bring back a good report. I'm not going to send any more than that. I'm sending two people in to spy out the immediate land, and they did. And they came back, and there wasn't any doubt of what the report was going to be. They came back, and they said, all right, this is what's in front of us. And, uh, and we've already made a connection. We've already made a provision. Now we get to walk in and do what God's called us to do. Listen, as we wrap up 2020, and, yeah, this could, ap- this could absolutely preach every single year. But as we wrap up this particular year, a year that many of us want to forget, a year that many of us want to go back into our files from this year and control-alt-delete, 
a year that we want to not be relying on what got us through because we don't even know what got us through. We just know, okay, it's time for us to get our heart, get our right mind, get our eyes fixed on the Lord, realize that if we're here, it's because God got us here. And if he got us this far, he's not going to leave us to die. He's taken us somewhere. And we get ourselves prepared for what is going to be ahead of us in the year to come. And so I'm, my heart is, is, uh, is fired up. And I was, as Karen and I kind of pray into this year and things that we've talked about, yeah, I mean, there are things that we want to do, and, and I'm excited about Division Sunday at the end of January where we get to just kind of share our hearts and talk about these are the things that we feel like God's doing and setting up for us as a church. I'm excited for us to get our dream team nights going again where we, if you've never been, um, you're going to want to be there for those. We, it's, it's a party, but it's, it's you just got to be there. I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'll get distracted. Um, but, I, you know, if, if you are a part of our dream team and you're already here, uh, one thing that I can guarantee you is that in 2021, we're going to be asking people to step up. Not that we have, we, gosh, we just made it through 2020. We've stepped up. But it's a new year. It's a new season. And, and, and for those who have been hanging on by the skin of your teeth, I want you to know that God has huge plans for you. God has such big plans for you. He has things that are hiding inside of you that he wants to draw out. There are things in you that God has placed there that somebody else needs. And the more we sit on it, the more somebody else goes without what they need that God has placed inside of us. Israel needed the report of Caleb and Joshua, even if they didn't believe it at first. We're going to be and continue to be surrounded by a region who don't believe what God says about them. We're surrounded by people, generations, brokenness. People do not believe what is true about who God says they are, what's possible, and we are going to be a church that leads the way in speaking what God says about people. That is our focus. Jesus is our message as a church. It always will be. And people are our passion. And, uh, and sometimes when we get into the thick of a crazy year like this, it's been so easy to allow ourselves to be caught up in the fact that people, it's like Jesus is our message and, and I want to hit people with this message. <laughs> and it's like, no, we don't, because that, that's our passion. They're our passion. And the reason they're our passion, that's not a natural thing, is because it's God's passion. And so if we have a responsibility to bring a love and grace into everyday conversations, that's the, the mission of our church, then that's what we're going to dedicate ourselves to. People need to know the truth, but they also need to know love and grace. Those things go together. You can't, so I talked about that in, I think, last month. You can't separate those two. You can't give grace without truth. And you also can't give truth without giving grace. Like they, 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 are, they are synonymous. You cannot separate the two because truth without grace is legalism. And grace without truth is just doing whatever the heck you want to do. <laughs> and saying what you want to say and treating people the way you want to treat it. And maybe coming back and be like, ah, I probably didn't do that right, but God's grace has got it covered. And he's like, yeah, but you just trampled somebody. So let's bring truth and grace together. That's where the love of God comes through. That's 2021 in a nutshell. <laughs> Maybe you want to come. I'm going to pray for some people this morning. Um, let's do something. Let's do, this is a little bit different. Can you, just where you are, just go ahead and put your stuff down um, and just stand up where you are. I want to pray. You are not the sum of what this year has produced. <clears throat> somebody, somebody needs to hear that. You're not the sum of what this year has produced. 
here today to speak life into you, to speak purpose into you, to speak hope into you. Come on, we can't, we can't limit God's goodness to what we're comfortable with. That's actually not the goodness of God. Sometimes we mistake those things, right? Like when we feel good, then I must be in the goodness of God. Not that it can't be, but it's never about our feelings. Because the spies that believed the false report or the wrong report, they saw the truth of what God had promised, but they allowed their feelings to override what God had spoken. And so I'm gonna pray for somebody, I don't know who you are, but you're here and you've allowed your feelings and your thoughts and those voices inside, those 10 out of the 12 spies to lead and guide your, your soul. And God wants to, number one, he wants to forgive that. He wants to restore that and he wants to replace it with the voice of his Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's never gonna lead you to a place of fear. He's never gonna lead you to a place where, where you're gonna fail, but he is gonna lead you to a place where you need to rely on him. And honestly, from a flesh standpoint, sometimes that can be the most terrifying place. You're like, well, isn't that fear? Well, you can feel it, but you have to also begin to speak truth into it. God, you didn't bring me here so that I could die in the wilderness. You brought me here because you're taking me to a land of promise. You're taking me to a place where you're going to open up and fulfill the things that you put me on this earth for. So if that's you, I wanna pray. If you just stretch your hands towards heaven, if that's you, like, God, I need you to replace that voice that's in my head, that voice of fear, that voice of doubt, that voice that says that we are too small for the enemy that is ahead of us. And say, God, would you come and replace this with your words? Here's something that Caleb knew. Caleb knew the promises of God, and he knew that God always fulfills his promises. He always comes through in his word, and he does it in his time. It may not always be in our time, but that's part of the process and it's part of the growth journey is realizing that we are learning to be fulfilled in God's time because God's timing is 100% always perfect. He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Convo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Convo Church Podcast.